Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Help me welcome in all of our campuses. Come on, Julington Creek, Orange Park, Midtown. Everyone joining us via church online today, no matter how you're tuned in and joining us to worship. We're so glad that you're here. Hey, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and it's my distinct pleasure and privilege to continue that introduction of our guest speaker today, Mr. Ken Costa. He, as Pastor Stovall mentioned, he's here from London. He's originally from South Africa, but he's been a, a business per person, a professional in London, a very successful man with incredible ministry uh, around marketplace ministry. Uh, he knows the secret that, that a very small percentage of Christians are actually pastors or on staff or in vocational ministry. Most of, most of us as Christians, most of y'all, y'all, 99% of you, uh, you spend your time in your uh, influence, your sphere of influence at your workplace, winning souls and making a difference for the kingdom of God. He's an expert in that. Uh, another thing that he does is for the last 16 years, he has chaired an organization called Alpha. Alpha is an incredible evangelistic tool that has helped present the gospel in a life-changing, life-giving way to over 30 million people since it started. And uh, we're gonna be rolling that out here at Celebration Church as an evangelism tool we're gonna use to equip and train you to reach your friends with the gospel uh, throughout the course of 2017. So we couldn't be happier to have him here to, uh, to, uh, as part of our awakening uh, messages as part of our awakening series uh, to be able to share with us today. So why don't you celebrate in all of our campuses. Stand up to your feet and help me welcome to the stage Mr. Ken Costa. Well, thanks, John. Well, thank you. Thank you, John, and good morning. Uh, good morning to you here uh, in Celebration Church. Good morning to you at Midtown. We had an amazing time last night. Good morning to you in Orange Park, and let the Spirit of God come on Julington Creek as well. The, today is the day of the Lord. Is the accent working all right? <laughs> anybody, any, anybody, anybody watch Downton Abbey? Does it sound the same? Have you watched The Crown? Oh, there's a treat coming. Doesn't sound like that. But I'm learning American. How y'all doing? <laughs> and I had grits for breakfast. And I'm learning to love America. And it's a momentous time that we have. It's a privilege to be here at this time when you inaugurate your new president for a new era in this country. And we always remind ourselves that, of course, all authority comes from Jesus Christ. The politicians come and politicians go, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I've been for many years, I have been in finance, I've been an investment banker for nearly 40 years. I know bankers are not flavor of the month, but I'm an exception, so be nice to me. And many times I have to go to shareholders meetings where the founders are the big shareholders. And sometimes the founders turn up to the shareholders meetings, and sometimes the founders don't. But the wonderful thing about meetings of the people of God, whether it is here in Jacksonville or in London where 
I bring you good greetings from Holy Trinity Church, or in South Africa, or in China, or anywhere in the world, wherever there are the meetings of God's people, the founder, Jesus Christ, always turns up. And he's here with us. He's here with us in this week of awakening, this awakening season in your lives. He's here with you in your fasting, and he's here with you in a particular reason, which is I want to speak to you today on a topic that I believe this awakening season will awaken within you the stirrings of the spirit of the living God. So let me ask you this question. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? It's a question that has been asked in every age, in every generation, for thousands of years, for young, for old people, church people, non-church people. What is the purpose of what I'm doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? It's a question I've asked myself a thousand times in my life. What is the purpose? Am I in the workplace only to get some cash? There's nothing wrong with that. I got a bit of that. <laughs> Are you in the workplace simply for a career? There's nothing wrong. I wanted to get to the top of my career and got sort of near there. Are you working for a cause? Something that burns within you? But whether it's for cash or for a career or for a cause, if you do not know that you are called, you will burn out. And burnout is one of the gravest silent killers of our generation. So I want to talk to you about knowing your why. Written this book called Know Your Why, How to Find and Fulfill Your Calling in Life. This is not some random event that you happen to be in this church at this time. It is because God himself has his hand on you. It is because God himself is saying this is an important time to know your why. And as you're fasting and as you're preparing for this awakening, my deep prayer for you is that you will begin to know your why. And when you know your why as a person, and when you as a church know your why as a church, and when the city knows its why as a as a city, and when the community around you knows the why as a community, and when this country of yours knows its why, then it is an unstoppable move of the Spirit of God in our midst. We need to know our why because the world in which we're living is very rapidly changing. Jobs are being changed every now and again. I used to think I'd have one job for life. I ended up with three. There is almost no one in this room that won't have six, seven, eight, nine, ten jobs in that course of your career. How is it then that you're going to be able to be focused on what God has called you now, to be committed now, and yet be open to the Spirit of God to lead you to other places? 
without just drifting along? Well, the answer is to know and understand your why, your purpose in this rapidly changing, pivoting life that we're living in. How can I find my life purpose in this unsettled world? We need to learn to hear God in a noisy world. It's a noisy world. It's a noisy world because we're all so busy. It's a noisy world because we've got our tablets and our smarts in front of us and our heads are down and we're looking to this tablet because we think that this is where revelation will come from. This is what will teach us everything we need to know. This is the guide to the whole of our lives. And we realize that revelation comes from God and not from some tablet. Lift up your heads, oh you people, and let the King of glory come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your faces to receive from him in these seasons of life. There are four words that are important to me. And here is a message. If you look in the wrong places, you will not find the right answer. The world at the moment is going through a very difficult phase. I call it VUCA, a world that is volatile, uncertain, complex, angry. You just have to answer, look at your television, whether it's here or in London or in Cape Town or in Beijing or wherever it is. If you look at your television, you'll see the anger that's there in the world. And what the world needs, we have. The reconciling power of the Lord Jesus Christ lived in and through his people who know their why. But if you want to know your why, firstly, you need to look in the right place. Now, let me give you an example. A group of whale watchers in California went to look for a whale. Do you see them on the boat? Which way are they looking? Where's the whale? Behind them, if you look in the wrong place, you will not find what you're looking for. I grew up in South Africa. People were going to look for an elephant. Look what happened there. Where's the elephant? If you look in the wrong place, you will not find the right answer. One last African picture, but I don't want you to be distracted by it. Here is a rhino. <laughs> One of the great pictures you could ever get in Africa. If you look in the wrong place, you'll get the wrong answer. Actually, can we take it off? It's distracting everybody. <laughs> the place to look at, there are four words that have transformed my life and it'll transform yours. In the beginning, God. The four words that start the Old Testament and the four words with which the Greek New Testament starts. In the beginning, the word God. Go back to God. We've got to go back to God as citizens, as a community, as a church, as a city, and as a country to hear God in our age. And if you want to hear God in a noisy world, 
you've got to try and cut the noise out. I flew over um, to, to be here with you, uh, and wow, it was um, the noisiest flight imaginable. Everything was clattering around. The trolleys were being moved up and down. I was in a seat near the bulkhead, and people were knocking me over to get into the toilets, and the screens were making noise, and people were talking, and life was just hope. The noise around me, I couldn't concentrate. But for Christmas, in my Christmas stocking, my wife gave me a set of Bose uh, ears that I could plug in. And they're very special because they're not just ordinary earphones. There's a little switch, and it's called a noise eliminator. And you click that switch, and oh, the peace. I mean, I don't know what they were doing in the galley at the time, but for me, there was the peace. And that's what we have to do. If you want to hear God, you've got to switch off the noise eliminators. You've got to switch off the stuff that distracts. You've got to make space to hear God. You need to know the call on your life Before you ask, what can I do, Lord? Where would I serve you? When can I start serving you? You need to know your why. Because how you view God is how you're going to do life. The picture you have of God is the picture you're gonna have of your life. If you think that God is some miserable guy who is there to just deal misery to you, you're gonna live a miserable life. But if you believe that God in Jesus Christ is ever taking us from one degree of glory to the next, constantly on our side, filling us with abundant life, giving us everything that he won for us on the cross and enabled us to live a life of purpose in this world, then your face will reflect that and you will enjoy the presence of the spirit of the living God every day of your life. And the central core of God's message to you and to me is to know your why, is to know a deep inner conviction that the whole of my life matters to God. The whole of my life, not just my church life, my work life, my workstation is my worship station. When I go to work, I'm serving and worshiping God. I'm not just doing something strange until I can come to church. And it's underpinned by three great truths. Forget everything I'm saying today, but never forget these three truths. God loves you. God knows you. And God's called you. If you get that core right, the chores of life don't matter because the core is strong. I've got a trainer who trains me. I hate training, but he keeps telling me I've got to train these core muscles. Anybody here know exactly where these core muscles are? Because I can't find them. All I know is I have to do a whole lot of stuff that I don't want to do because of these flipping core muscles. (laughs) 
but apparently it's very good for you. But you know what? When the core muscles are good, then you can do, uh, uh, you can do the chores, the stuff that, that gets, gets around us. If you know your why, you will find your way. And if you don't know your why, everything else will get in the way. It's as simple as that. If you know your why, you will know your way. So the first is you need to look in the right place. In the beginning, God. Remember those four words. The second is you need to look outside of yourself. You will know your why only in and through others. I want to illustrate this with you with a video clip. We have two athletes, uh, Ali and, and Jonathan Brownlee. And Ali won the um, Olympic uh, triathlon gold medal. He and his brother are almost always together and they're fiercely competitive. And on this occasion, he was going for the world record and to become world champion. That was his objective when the following happened. It's me. This is a horrible sight. Jonathan Brownlee has lost it now and has staggered to a stop at the side of the course. And Alistair's stopped to help him along. And Alistair is going to try and carry his brother home. Dramatic scenes in Cozumel as the Olympic champion carries his younger brother towards the podium. Oh my God, I cannot believe what we are seeing here, Matt. Is this allowed? Is he allowed to help his brother? You know, is that part of the rules? I'm not too sure. We've never seen anything like this before. Unbelievable scenes. Unbelievable scenes in Cozumel. To finish in second and third, but Johnny can hardly stand. And Alistair is having to drag him across the line and pushing him home, pushing him home for second. Johnny finishes in second. Isn't that amazing? There is Ali Brownlee, ready for the crown of the world championship. All he had to do was cross a line. And he sees his brother in distress, struggling, struggling probably with heat exhaustion. And instinctively, he didn't have to have a debate with himself, instinctively, he puts his arm around his brother and he struggles together with his brother. And when he gets to the line, you would have thought he might say, okay, Johnny, I've brought you home, it's okay, I'm gonna get the prize, I'll push myself over and you can come behind me. Instinctively, he prefers his brother to himself and pushes his brother across the line ahead of him. And that is what Jesus Christ has done for you and done for me. He prefers you and me. He went to the cross so that we might be able to get into heaven, into a relationship with God himself. He put his arm around us when we were struggling in our sin, when we didn't know which way to go. He was saying, come along with me, I will show you your why, and I will show you that I will prefer you as I want you to prefer others. 
in the life that you are leading. Isn't that an amazing God? Isn't that the one we want to serve? Want to serve this Jesus Christ who prefers us? But it needs a bit of grip. You know, you might say to yourself, well, how do I know? And I've chosen my why, I've chosen God. Good on you, God, I've chosen you. And Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, you did not choose me. I chose you. Every single person here is who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ, don't leave this church today without doing so. It is the greatest adventure you will start in the whole of your life. Jesus says, ah, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you. Forget the word appointed. It's a whole sort of theology word. Just forget it. Simple word for simple business people like us. Invested. I invested in you. I put my spirit to be in you. I've given you gifts and capacities, mind, imagination, creativity, strength. And I've appointed you. I've given you that investment and I expect to see a return on that investment. I know that investment. That you might go. There is no place in the Christian life to be standing back. Some religions there, you know, just surf it on. You know, let's just lie back. You know, be chilled. That is not the faith of Jesus Christ. It tells you to go. That's what I love about your church. You're going. You want to see Jacksonville come to Christ. And you're not sitting back on it. You're praying, you're fasting, you're giving, you're building, you're, you're doing what there is to be done. You're going. And he says to bear fruit. That's the object. If you want to know your why, you want to bear fruit. Well, what kind of fruit? Well, not any old fruit. There's no such thing as a fruitless Christian. You can't be a fruitless Christian. He wants fruit that is sustainable. Fruit that is sustainable. Now we know about sustainable energy, sustainable food, sustainable living, sustainable conditions in our schools, our homes, whatever. Well, Jesus wants sustainable fruit, fruit that lasts. What is the fruit that lasts? It's the fruit that you learn in the workplace and the tough compromises you have to make in commercial deals that you're doing, in the difficulty of those people sitting next to you who are irritating the hell out of you and learning to live with them. It's the, it's the fruit that comes from holding your tongue when you want to smack the guy around the chins. I'm sure it doesn't happen in Jacksonville. But it's the truth that comes from actually restraining and loving those who are pretty horrible to love. It's, it's the fruit that comes that is sustainable because that fruit will be there tomorrow and tomorrow after that. And Paul, when he comes to describe this, he tells us, look, you don't have to worry, you just need a grip. But listen to this, it's not just my grip. You know, you might see some tennis players who hit a backhand and they take two hands to the backhand stroke so they've got strength in the double grip to hit the ball better. And this is what Paul says, listen to this. And it's not just me trying to put my grip onto my calling. But listen to this, Paul writing in letter to the, uh, to the Philippians, chapter three. 
Not that I have obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already taken hold of me. This is not some new innovation. This is not some new lab. He has already called you. He already knows your why. And he says to you, take your hand and put it into mind, for I have already taken hold of you. And the two of us together will have an incredible grip, and that grip will get power going together. Me on my own, I can't do it. God on his own longing for me to do it is useless unless I put my hand to that racket. I love America, and I went my first visit, I went to a rodeo. Anybody been to a rodeo? Well, it's an amazing experience. It's exactly what you think it is. You know, sort of country and western music, sort of junk food, um, uh, people sort of doing strange things with large hats, children riding sheep or trying to stay on a sheep. And, 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 and then the cowboy comes out on a steer. And, and what he does is he has a double, a double hold. He's got one hold, is somewhere, I'm not entirely sure where, on the top of the steer. And the other one is, I just thought it was a hand in the air sort of shouting, gee hi, or something like that. But actually it was explained to me that he is looking up in order to establish a balance on this very difficult animal. It's a double hold, as it were. He's looking in the picture that I had. He's looking to, 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 to God to get an inspiration in the Christian image of that while I hold on to life in front of me on that steer. Because life will buck you around. But if you've got the balance right, if you're looking up to him and you're holding on to, to what he has given you, then you have a strong grip that will not have you thrown. Oh, I'm pleased you like that. My rodeo example. Looking forward, do not be tripped up by the past. For many of us, our pasts have become bullies. They're always there bullying you, reminding you of the kind of things you did and you shouldn't have done. We're all broken people. Don't be tripped up by the past, but be gripped by the future. Because the future is where Jesus Christ is leading us to. And that's that great truth that Paul is teaching us here in, in this letter. Going on to say, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on. I move on to take hold of the goal for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenwards. And every single one of you has that goal before you. Forget what lies behind. In this time of awakening, in this time when you're fasting and putting yourself in a position to hear the spirit of the living God, remember he is drawing you forward. You cannot give what you haven't got. You need the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because we need the Holy Spirit. We don't need him on Sundays 
for an hour or so in your church or three hours if you're a Pentecostal. We, we, we need the Holy Spirit 24-7. We need him in our workplaces when things are tough. We don't know our why when things are difficult. We need him when he's dreaming. You know, dreams, dreams inspired by the self are unsustainable. But dreams inspired by the Spirit are unbeatable. And that's what we're looking for, the unbeatable dreams of the Spirit of the living God that draws us to know our why for the people around us. But you say to me, Ken, what happens if I lose my grip? Fun about the rodeo. But what happens when I lose my grip? What about failure? Anyone not failed? Got good news for you, it's on its way. (laughs) We need to learn to fail well. And I want to beg you, never say, I am a failure. Never say that. Because if you are a failure and you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, it would mean that Jesus Christ has failed in you and Jesus Christ is not in the business of failing. He isn't a spiritual chapter 11. He isn't a bankrupt God. He is not there. Yes, of course I have failed in a transaction. Yes, of course I have failed in a deed or a task that I've taken. Yes, sadly, of course I failed in a relationship or in a marriage, but I am not a failure. Three quick tips on when you fail. One, do learn from your failure. Just learn. What went wrong? Why did I screw up? Second, Don't linger. It's not going to help. You can't change it by looking at the tapes again. It is what it is. And the third is lean forward. Why lean forward? Because that is the hope that we have, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The greatest failure ever thought to have been occurred on the planet Earth was when he was died on a cross and the authorities said, thank God it's gone. And the high priest said, oh my goodness, we've finished with this guy. We don't have any more trouble with him. And on the third day, he rose again. He rose again to give you and me the same power that caused Jesus to rise from the dead is with you and me in our workplaces, in our homes, in our gyms, in our schools, with our families, with our children, in our every single day life. But it is true that sometimes our lives feel as if they're completely broken, shattered. And I know there are some of you who've come to church today and you just look at your life and it's just relationships, finance, family, lacking forgiveness. What do you do? Let me illustrate this the following way. In Japan, there is an art form, and it's called kintsuki. And the Japanese believe that if you've got a 
an inanimate object, a vase, a picture, um, a statue, and it breaks, you don't throw it away because it's got a history. Now, if I break a vase at home, I hoover it up quickly with a brush, I put it in the bin, and I put paper on top of it that my wife doesn't find out what, what, what I've done. But the, but the Japanese would never do anything like that. For them, they will piece it together with glue because it tells a history. I got it from my father or from my mother and put it back into its pride of place. Have a look at this bowl. That's a kintsuki bowl. But where it got broken, it was filled with gold. Do you see that? And it looks even more beautiful with the gold. And the gold is not just ornamental. The gold is in exactly the place where the break occurred. And I want to tell you that the Spirit of God is not just glue. He is gold. And where you are broken and shattered and feel your life has crashed and fallen around you and lying in pieces around you, he will pick it up and put it together and he'll put it together with the gold of the Spirit of God at the very place that you thought you were weakest and most broken and most vulnerable is the very place of your greatest strength. See, if you let the Spirit of God take a grip on you, allowing God to grip you, and you grip as well as we've got this double grip, and if you let the Spirit of God inspire you to know your why, and if you're in the spirit of time of awakening and you're fasting and you're waiting for, on the Spirit of God, then I urge you just to remember one thing, don't go for break even. Now, you know what break even is like. You're running a small business and the cash is sort of coming in, but it's not coming in fast enough and you're kind of worrying at the end of the month and it's like the home budget. Is there going to be enough money? And I'm just going to, sometimes you squeeze through and sometimes you're just a little underneath it. But the Spirit of God in this place today is saying to you not that you will know your why simply to be in a state of break even. He wants you to be in a state of breakthrough to break through the resistances that stand in your life to you living the fulfilled life of Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate it to you this way. There was a family in, in, in Kent that had a greenhouse. Now, in England, uh, we have to have uh, things in greenhouses, uh, and we, can't, we don't have your beautiful climate, so we can't grow things. Uh, we have to put them in, in, uh, in, these, in these greenhouses. We're just looking around to see if our worship group is anywhere near us. Um, our worship group is being found. There they are. Come on up. Um, and, and in this greenhouse, let me show you the, a picture of a greenhouse. That's what a greenhouse looks like. And in it, they will grow tomatoes and they'll grow vegetables and they'll grow some fruit uh, uh, because our winters are horrible. And so are our summers, but there we are. Um, <laughs> nothing like waking up this morning and going for a run for miles on the beach. I feel so fit. I ring my wife and say, darling, I've done a whole week's fitness in one day. <laughs> anyway, I'm distracted. I must come back to this story. 
You're such fun to be with. So, so let me tell the story. So in the corner, there was an agave plant. Anybody know what an agave plant is? Oh, good, all the tequila drinkers know. <laughs> um, so there, there, was a, there was an agave plant. And for 40 years, that plant just lay there, neglected, forgotten, of no interest. And they got a bit of water sprayed on it after the tomatoes and everything else. And then, last year, after 40 years, sometimes one has to wait for things to happen. Sometimes things don't happen just as they do. But when God's Spirit moves in His time, nothing can stop it. And in 40, after 40 years, within the period of six weeks, that agave plant grew by 40 feet. Have a look at that. What did you see happening? When it got to the ceiling, did it say, oh, ceiling, I'm so sorry. Uh, I better cave in. I can't go any further. I'm going to turn back. No, that agave plant, because the spirit of life was in that agave, broke through the ceiling of that greenhouse. And I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God is here to say, there is no ceiling on your life. There is no top. There is no box. There is no stopper. There is no way that you will contain what God wants to do in your life and do in this church through you. You are not to be constrained by it, but we are to break through. Break through on our own? No, but break through when the Spirit of God enables us to break through every resistance point. You may say, I've got to that stage of my finances and I just don't know what to do now next. The answer is pray for that breakthrough because at the right time you will break through or in my purpose, or to know my why. I want to know why I am here. And I'm just feeling dormant, and yet you're saying I feel enclosed, or, or locked in, or entrenched. No, the Spirit of God is breaking out. The Spirit of God is breaking through. And that's what He's doing today and this morning. I'd love you to stand as we just pray for the Spirit of God to come and to do the business within us, to break through as that plant did. Remember those words of the prophet Isaiah. In his time, the Lord will do it swiftly. Do you believe that? Do you believe that as you get ready for an awakening? So I want you to do two things. For a moment, if we could just be a bit silent. I want you to look up at that ceiling and say to yourself, Take one thing, your finance, your family, your friends, your future, your awakening, and say that ceiling that has pressed down on you is not there. It's not there. You can see the Spirit of God coming through. Just quietly saying to God, you have chosen me. You've chosen me in this place for this purpose just in a moment, just give you the moment. Come, Holy Spirit, come, come. Bring a breakthrough in the personal lives of each individual person here. 
But if you feel totally hemmed in and there's no light in your life, maybe it's because you've never asked the Lord Jesus to come in and be the breakthrough agent in your life. Do so today. But we are a church. We are a church in all these different locations. Celebration Church is the yeast of Jacksonville. And we want to say that as a church, we want to break through, that these walls will not be resistance to breaking through to different areas, different regions, different plantings, different ways of reaching our community. And in order to show that, that we're all together in this, I'm going to ask you to clap. Now, to clap, you take your left hand. I think you do it here on the same as we do it in England. Take your right hand and smack it. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.